What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin. Against God. Don't you know that? I believe, I believe. I believe in the Word of God. Yeah, yeah. I believe, I believe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. We are your hosts, Janine Jose and myself, Matthew. As we trudge ever forward, we're finally to the last straw in the book of Micah, and a good one it is. Uh, lots of powerful things here in this little bitty chapter. But before we get started, we are going to pray ourselves into this mess and pray ourselves out. So, Janine, why don't you pray us into this mess, shall you? Sure. I thank you, Father, for your grace, your blessings, the benediction of your holiness upon our lives today. As we study your word, let it be implanted in people's hearts, in people's minds, in their thoughts, in their lives, in their actions. Let it be a living word, Father, going forth to do the work that you would have done. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, Janine, what's your opening comments? I have not had a chance to read the last chapter. I apologize. Today has been um, a marathon from start to finish. So I am behind the curve. I apologize. Okay, good. No, no reason to apologize. Like I keep saying, it, it's always good for there at least to be one person fresh into what you're, whatever you're going to study. It's good to have at least one person fresh. So let's ask Jose. Jose, what's your opening comments on Micah chapter 7? Well, Matthew, I mean, again, this this is uh, God just doesn't hold back again. I mean, it almost, I just I, I hate repeating myself, Matthew, but he keeps bringing up the same things over and over. He keeps telling you what he's going to do. He keeps telling you what's going to happen. Um, he's both warning and at the same time, he's, um, you know, holding out that hope. And I mean, just you know, you know how how powerful this chapter is, Matthew. Um, it's almost like there's there's too much to take in in one sitting. You really have to have to reread it and reread it to totally comprehend what he's saying here. Um, but yeah, this is a really powerful chapter. Lots in there to digest. Lots of remembrancers to to what he said before. Um, plenty of stuff for us to for us to chew on, Matthew, in Micah chapter seven. 
you know, this being 20 verses long, it's right at the upper limit to what you can digest in one sitting anyway. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you here. And it, it's so diverse uh, in, yeah, there's, there's just too many threads here to take in all at once. Um, it, it, especially how it begins. It, it begins... It begins in a place you don't want to be. I mean, let's all let's all think about this. Now, you have to understand that, that when this is delivered, it's present company included, people. When God's word does this, it means present company included. Okay. There is no upright person among men. All of them lie in wait for bloodshed. Each of them hunts the other with a net. Concerning evil, both hands do it well. The prince asks also the judge for a bribe. And a great man speaks the desire of his soul. So they weave it together. I mean... When you put this together with, you know, <laughs> those who are alive and remain, we all know that famous quote, right? Mm -hmm. Those who are alive and re really? What? Let me read the beginning of that one because I, I don't think anybody was listening. I, did, I didn't start the beginning of the verse for a reason, but but listen to this. The godly person is perished from the land. And there is no upright person among men. Where is this place? Because we all better figure it out. And we all need to know this. Obviously, somewhere in God's word. You better be able to figure this out because there is a time coming. Listen to this. The day when you post your watchman, your punishment will come. You better have digested the entire Bible and know that he's already told you, by the way, you're going to know this day because when it comes, you're going to poach your watchman. And it is on that day your punishment will come. So if you've ever been going through Micah chapter 7, you run across and say, man, I better ask my, I better ask my preacher. I better call my pastor. I better get a hold of the Sunday school superintendent and say, hey, man, what, on what day are we going to post our watchman? If you don't know, you better figure it out. So that's just, just two very small things in here. That, I mean, that's just the first stanza. It's just the first stanza. So let me ask Jose. Jose, what do you make of what do you make of that? 
I don't know, Matthew. I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to prophetically place that first stanza where 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 it lines up with, you know. And then you add verse six, verse six into it, and we know. I mean, we know Jesus himself talked about this time frame, you know. But what does it mean that that there's no godly man? I mean, what does that mean that out, they've all perished? I mean, that's a, that's a scary thought, Matthew. If this but is before, gets your before gears, we're gathered together, yeah. But it gets your gears turning. I mean, it makes you think, yes. all right, so what, what does he mean by man? It makes you want to look at that, right? Or is this a particular Hebrew word or Greek word that means over 50 maybe, right? Right. It gets your gears turning like, okay, okay. What type of man is he talking about? Is he talking about an adult, you know? Somebody who who can go to war, because we know that is under 21 years of age, right? Right. The Bible's very clear. If you're a newlywed or, you know, you're 20, you're not 21 yet, you don't have to go to war. You're, you're, you, you don't have to go to war. So is this that Hebrew word? I mean, because... It's important, isn't it? Yes. Or are we looking at something like a pool de rapture? Nobody's heard of that before? To get your attention? I said a hool de rapture. Hulda. You've never heard that before? You have no, no. idea who who Hulda might be. Well, anyway, time for us to start digesting this because we're already eight minutes past. We're already eight minutes into this and we're losing time. So who's going to read for us and how much are they going to read? You know what? Let, let me just dictate things tonight. How about that? Um, Janine, why don't you read the, the first six verses, please? All right. Very good. This is Micah chapter 7. The prophet acknowledges, Woe is me, for I am like the fruit pickers and the grape gatherers. There is not a cluster of grapes to eat or a first ripe fig which I crave. The godly person has perished from the land and there is no upright person among men. All of them lie in wait for bloodshed. Each of them hunt the other with a net. Concerning evil, both hands do it well. The prince asks, also the judge, for a bribe, and a great man speaks the desire of his soul, so they weave it together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright like a thorn hedge. The day when you post a watchman, your punishment will come. Then their confusion will occur. Do not trust in a neighbor. Do not have confidence in a friend. From her who lies in your bosom, guard your lips. Her son treats father contemptuously. Daughter rises up against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Now that you've read it, what's your thoughts? <sighs> that you cannot trust any human mortal man that you must trust the god 
of all. And that if you don't know the God of all and who that is and what he's done and what he will do, you're in dire straits. Agreed. You know, let's, let's take a read of Matthew chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his old household. Now, is it just me or is that not a direct quote? That's a direct quote. Yep. Couldn't get any more direct. I mean, he literally phrased it in exactly the same way. Now, why would he do that? Well, those people back then would have known exactly what that reference was. It's those of us today that read only the New Testament that have no clue what the connection is. Would you agree with that, Jose? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's like, uh, I knew it was in there, but I didn't know it was that direct of a quote, Matthew. Yeah, he, he was directly, yes. I mean, it was literally uh -huh. order on order. Right, right. The, the only thing he missed saying was, and the prophet Micah said in, you know, such and so reference, that's the only thing he missed. And the religious leaders of that time would have known exactly what he was talking about. Precisely. They would have knew exactly. Because Down to the jot and tittle. Yeah, they would have they would have known exactly what he was talking about. So it kind of makes you want to go to Matthew chapter 10 and see what's going on, right? Of course, always. So Janine, can you head over there real quick? Well, I can head there quickly is um <laughs> some well, interpretation. Have, no, that's all right. Um we'll just have Jose do it. Jose, okay. go over to Matthew chapter 10 and read verses 24 through 37. All right. Make sure I'm in the right one. Okay. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that would not that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not fear. 
you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father, who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father, who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on, on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Does that help us out, Jose? Because we have this conundrum, don't we? We we have to get to the part where we have sensible eschatology. That is to say, the end times have to make sense, right? Right. Yes. So we know what we're looking at here. What we're looking at here is a chiasm. If you don't know what a chiasm is, it's it's a literary it's a greek literary device based off the 22nd letter of the greek alphabet called chi you know it as an x me and jose related to you when we did our bible study on first Thessalonians, first thessalonians there in chapter 5 god's quite clear the tribulation starts with his day the tribulation finishes with Christ's perusia. All the events go to a single point in between them. That's called a chiasm. The entire book of Daniel is a chiasm. The entire book of Revelation is also a chiasm. So we really do have a conundrum here, and this is this is the problem that Jose is having. Okay, so is is this during the birth pains before the great day of who sitteth upon the throne? Or is this in the place prepared right before the perusia of Christ? That's our conundrum, isn't it, Jose? Yes. Which one's he talking about? So having said that, what's your gut feeling now having read what Jesus was talking about? Well, you think that. It sounds to me like he's talking to those of the first resurrection, Matthew. They're talked about in Revelation chapter 20. But boy, if, if verse 35 is taking place inside the place prepared, that's a scary thought as well. Well, where does the rebellion take place? Well, the rebellion takes place in the place prepared. So that's during the tribulation. When the tribulation is going on, that's before the perusia of Christ. Which and would this up... not fit the rebellion? Now, Janine, I didn't say it did or it didn't fit the re rebellion. I, I, I'm I just, just postulating a possible fit. Right. 
Well, let's ask that. Let's go back to the first question I ask. At what point in time when all the righteous men be removed? I mean, we do have to admit, yes, a lot of us will be killed in the birth pains, right, Jose? Yes. We will be betrayed, exactly what he just said. We'll be betrayed by the members of our own household, right? And we'll be handed up. But not all of us, right? I mean, somebody has to go to the place prepared. Operation Eagle's Wings does take place. There are obviously righteous Christians when Christ returns. So th this can't be everybody. So why is he saying this, that, that all the righteous men have perished? Unless we're talking about a Hulda rapture. Janine's going to get mad at me, isn't she? <laughs> Nobody. So, Jose, you, you really don't have a you don't have a clear line as to at this point in time. We don't know if it's talking about the birth pains or if it's talking about Corral's rebellion. It doesn't sound like the birth pains to me, Matthew. So I think this is in that, and like you said, in that time in between. Um, specifically because that word upright used in verse 2 and in verse 4 is Yasher, which we know is a root for, for Israel, right? That, um, and we know what Israel means, those who are, those who are straightened, those who are, are made upright. So... so that that's that to me is a clue that that perhaps they've already been got the you know eagle, operation eagle wings have already taken place and and we've been gathered to a place that has been prepared so you are excluding this place from being on planet earth this place itself no i well, i mean that would follow this line of thought because it says the godly person has perished from the land there is no upright person among men are you saying that this place prepared is not included in these statements that this is is a secluded place that's been segregated from the rest of creation that that's what i'm that's what i'm thinking yes okay that that is a working hypothesis there right what what's considered what what would then God say the the inhabitants of the earth, as opposed so, to those that are the place prepared, right? We know that to be, if you're not in the place prepared, you're in the outer darkness, right? Right. Where there's a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yes. So that's that's what you're kind of saying that all the godly people, all the righteous people. They're not in that outer darkness. They're in this place that, well, they're in this magical place. Right. And we obviously know from when this happened the first time, time does not transpire equally. Correct. Okay. There's no way their shoes did not wear out 
in 40 years. There's just no way. So obviously they were, I mean, everybody wants to put them, you know, somewhere there on the Sinai Peninsula, right? Right. There's no way in that abrasive environment their sandals did not wear out after 40 years of walking. There's just no way. There, there's just no way. So they had to be some other place. So that's a good point, that it's quite possible that's why this language is being used like this. That this isn't the outer darkness. This is this this place prepared. And it's referring to, to the rest of the planet. Right which that would make sense. Now, it would also make sense as to why uh, the opening comments about the grapes and the figs. Now, take note. It was very clear. It said the first ripe fig, right? Right. Right. So this very well could be what he's talking about because... Well, Jose and I have covered before how it talks in the Bible that there's going to be a waiting period after you've been taken to the place prepared when everything will bear fruit. Right, Jose? Right. We have speculated that I'm pretty sure it's probably 18 months. Why do I say that? Because of the children's conundrum. Okay? Because... At the point of Christ's return, that would make all the people that had bore fruit, that is, got pregnant, in the place prepared during the tribulation. What did God say about the children concerning those in the Exodus? That's right. They would not die. So you play this in reverse. This is God's, you know, modus operandi, right? This is how God operates. If he did it then, look, he don't play tiddlywinks. He don't change his mind. God is not wishy-washy. He's going to play the same numbers. This is what fulfills the children's conundrum. It's those children that go out into the world and are populated. That's who repopulates the planet for the millennial reign of Christ. That answers the children's conundrum. Well, God also always chases after that which has been. Yes. There is nothing new under the sun. Right. That that qualifies what I just said. That's mm -hmm. why nobody's going to do. I have a question, however. Sure. The the first, um, well, the first verse concerns the food, and I noticed that the fig is mentioned um fig leaves dropping and then all of a sudden there's this abrupt leap from the first right fig to all of a sudden the godly person has perished from the earth and i'm, I'm not understanding that it, it, it's almost uh, disconcerting to read those two together like that. Agreed. 
Agreed. All right. Maybe we better, maybe we better uh, trudge forward here. Um, Jose, why don't you read the next set of verses until you see fit? How about that? All right. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my case and executes justice for me, he will bring me out to the light, and I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see, and shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look on her. At that time she will be trampled down like mire of the streets. It will be a day for the building, for building your walls. On that day will your boundary be extended. It will be a day when they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, from Egypt, even to the Euphrates, even from sea to sea and mountain to mountain. And the earth will become desolate because of her inhabitants on account of the fruit of their deeds. And I'll stop there, Matthew. Janine? Wow. Is this giving you a time frame yet? Is, is this... Do these verses sound like this is what's going on in the birth pains? Or or does this sound like we're waiting for the perusia of Christ? And more importantly, I got to be the one to drag this, this puppy out into the light. You understand it keeps referring negatively to the enemy being a sheep. I noticed that right it is off. Being her. Yes. Shame will cover her who said to me, where is the Lord your God? In other words, where is he? Where is the promise of his coming? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Jose, who does that sound like to you? <laughs> Sounds like uh, Jezebel. <laughs> but yeah, but you're talking about the the woman that... that Rise the beast, you're talking about Babylon, you know? You are talking about the great harlot. Right. The woman that rides the beast. Now, now look, this puts this in a whole different light because, wow. <laughs> well, the first, okay, seven, eight, nine, those three verses. They synopsize the salvation plan from start to finish. They go from the tree and the garden, where we are told about the enmity between the woman and her seed, mm -hmm. and the other uh, entity's seed, to I realize my sin. I'm a, I'm man. I'm human. I, I need his righteousness to the middle of verse nine, nine, until he pleads my case and executes justice for me, he will bring me out to the light. So the salvation plan has been concluded. Well, I, th that's a good point. That's all a very good point. So, so let's talk about this. 
if this is after the day of the Lord and we're in the place prepared, we're as good as gold, right? Why is it saying this? Why is it saying, um, though I will fall, I will rise. Now, he is talking about anastasis, right? So, Jose, are we going to be dying in the place prepared? I mean, this is a good, this is a question that got to be asked, people. Jose, seriously, man. During the 1,260-day tribulation, we're hooked up, right? Right. We're eating manna. How are you going to die if you're eating manna, Jose? This is, a, this is a real thing. Now, look, on top of that, let's go back to this verse we've drilled in everybody's head. What does Revelation chapter 9, verse 6 say? Everybody, it's like deer in the headlights, right? Another deer in the headlight moment for everybody. I told you to write it down. I told you to write on a three by five card or something. You better get this straight. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die and death flees from them. Okay. Me and Jose and Janine has to address this. So does that happen in the place prepared too? Because that's the exact opposite of what actually happened in the Exodus. Because God was so mad at the adults because they went to go stone the two witnesses, remember? Mm -hmm. They went to go stone Joshua and Caleb. And the Lord comes unglued. And now nah, nah, I'm going to put him down right now. Moses intercedes right and he says that look all the adults will die you're going to wander 40 years and before we leave shittim you're all going to be dead only the children will live right right so this 1260 days is a condensed version of that time right those the that time so this is a real question that's got to be asked here so Jose, Janine, what's going to happen if I've like got my grandbaby in my arms, I'm in the wilderness, the angels have carried us there, and I have a heart attack? What's I don't think you'll have a heart attack. I don't think you'll have anything wrong with your heart. So you think that the promise of us walking... In in our hinds feet and walking in our high places, you think that he's he's doing the exact opposite thing that he did to to the Israelites. Well, that would follow his pattern, wouldn't it? Amen. Amen. Jose, what, what I know I've got your gears turning, Jose, because I'm <laughs> I'm asking all the questions that's supposed to be asked. Yeah. Well, the thing is with the rebellion of Korah occurred in that same time frame amongst those same people. So the rebellion is going to repeat itself, is it not? Right. In the, within that time frame in the place prepared for us. And that is why we have to be vigilant with our thoughts and our hearts 
so that we do not get caught up in that same rebellion that Korah's people did? Or have I totally misheard this? Uh, Janine, those are good points. Jose, what's your counterpoints? No, I, I'm inclined to, to agree that that we would not perish if we're in a place prepared. That That's just my, I'm not saying, that I can't quote anything scriptural, but that's that's my inclination. That, that in order for God to gather us there, you know, we're, we're, we're there preparing to be the bride and obviously to ultimately go through that last test. But yeah, so, you're, it, it's, it, it, I suppose it's not, a, it's not out of the question, like you said, to get there and have a heart attack. I, I don't, it's not completely out of the question, but um, that's, that's not where I'm leaning. So nobody dies during the tribulation. Well, I don't think that's quite what I was saying. Well, we do know one group certainly dies during the tribulation, right, Jose? Yes, right. we do. Those of the first resurrection, yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do die. I've really got everybody's gears turning, don't I? But are we looking at the high points or are we out in the weeds? Well, we are coming together and we are, what I'm doing here is I'm reasoning with you and Jose. Oh, see, that's where I, I really fall short. Really? I lack reason. I find you to be quite reasonable, actually. So I take umbrage with that. I find you to be quite reasonable. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Jose, come on, say something. Please, Jose. Yeah, that this this to me, Matthew. I just keep reading this, and and it keeps it keeps speaking to me like those that that have to face off in Revelation thirteen against the beast. That those are the ones that are that are being um, have to go through that tribulation and have to, have to um, you know stand up for God, stand up for the for the law and the testimony. Um, and those are the ones that are going to fall. Those are the ones that are going to be beheaded. And then, you know, God's promised that that He's gonna He's gonna they're gonna be a part of the first resurrection. Now I, I'm probably missing something, you know, in these verses, but that's that's my inclination. Because I'm catching you off guard, right? Right. And one thing's for sure: if you look at the Greek here for verse eight, it it is using G four fifty. Yeah. Right. And that is true of Lottie Dottie, everybody at the Perugia of Christ. Amen. Amen. Yep. At the Perugia of Christ, everybody gets raised up. Right. So 
Let's talk about verse 9. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my case and executes justice for me. In other words, he's gone to the cross. Things to make you go home. This is could, this could, could this could this be Matthew during those what we described as the ten days as the forty five days that period before we're we're gathered together because that's what I would be thinking verse nine there when I, when the whole world's going topsy turvy and I'm sitting there thinking is he coming for me or or am I going to have to uh, um, you know go through the whole tribulation. Well, let's, let's qualify that. People's probably got questions in their minds. What is he talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, Operation Eagle's Wings does not take place until after Michael defeats Satan. Great Day of the Lord's already happened. The book of Revelation, as Jose just referenced, says it's 10 days there's gonna be 10 days where you god's gonna throttle you the old testament me and jose's covered this before god literally says i'm not going to hear your prayers during this time in a flood of many waters he will not your prayers will not reach him and that's exactly the way these verses are sounding that that the person in question here is waiting for God to, to do something. And those verses are directly referenced here. Verse 7, my God will hear me. So all these are, all these are good points. Jose, let's continue on. All right. So picking up from verse 14. Shepherd your people with your scepter, the flock of your possession, which dwells by itself in the woodland, in the midst of a fruitful field. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. I will show you miracles. Nations will see and be ashamed of all their might. They will put their hand on their mouth. Their ears will be deaf. They will lick the dust like a serpent, like reptiles of the earth. They will come trembling out of their fortresses. To the Lord our God they will come in dread, and they will be afraid before you. Who is a God like you, who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our forefathers from the days of old. 
Janine, your thoughts? Say law. Now, do you have a better reckoning of where this is happening at? At the end of things. Do you have anything? Hmm. Is anything jumping out to you, Janine? That last verse, you'll give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which thou didst swear to our forefathers from the days of old. Who is Jacob that he should have truth and Abraham that he should have unchanging love? Amen. Jose, what's your answer to that? Well, it's God. God made a promise, and He's faithful. So, obviously, Jacob and Abraham are are uh, undeserving, but um, you know, God keeps His promises. Um, yeah, this this to me, Matthew, is is sounded more like like the place prepared, that flock in His possession. That he's coming to get. So I'm starting to see a little bit of light <laughs> at the end of this you're chapter here. See, you're starting to see a little bit of light here. Right. <laughs> had any of these thought, Jose? Had had your like I said, Matthew. This there's a lot in this chapter to take in. So unless you go through it slowly, like we're doing right now. It's almost overwhelming, you know? What time frame are we talking about? Who is God talking to? Um, and, you know, but obviously there's reason it's separated by stanzas because that's helping us see things a little bit more clear. Well, each verse that you read has got at least 50 verses underneath it. Right. <laughs> and that's... That's the thing is that the depth and the richness of these of each line is almost unfathomable. All right, let's 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 really let me drill Jose for a minute here. Okay, please do. Verse 15, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt, I will show you miracles. When is this going to happen, Jose? When? Yeah, this when is... I, it, so, so during the so this is talking about during the millennial reign of Christ. No, no, this is this no, is when no. he's yeah. No, this is when he when he comes back and Christ proves you. I mean that that's that's what I'm expecting with that verse there. When will nations see and be ashamed of all their might? They, they will come in. When they see the Son of Man coming, they will put their hand on their mouth. Their ears will be deaf. Now, the next one will really kick you in the teeth. They will lick the dust like a serpent. 
like reptiles of the earth, they will come trembling out of their fortresses. To the Lord our God, they will come in dread and they will be afraid before you. Janine, when yes. is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? I still think it's at the end of things. I mean, I would hope that we all agree that, you know, what else could this be cross-referencing, people? Lick the dust like a serpent? What else can this be talking about besides Gen 3? Right. True. Very true. It can't be talking about anything else. Look. Gen 14, or Gen 3, 14. God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. What else is being referenced here, people? Well, I mean, what's the verse where they, they talk about how they depend or they believe in the God of fortresses. Your reference there to Daniel, you mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I'm asking, who could this, is this talking about men? Or fallen angels. Or fallen angels. You know what? I've got another question for both of you. Now that we understand that the end times are chiastic in their nature, God the Father starts the tribulation and God the Son finishes it. Is it possible that this is written in such a way that it's it's worded in such a way that it fits both dynamics? Let me say that again. Could these verses be describing someone that's in the birth pains waiting on the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne? Could it also be worded in such a way that it's also talking about those in the tribulation waiting for the perusia of Christ? Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that, Matthew. That's what's that's what's kind of adding a little bit to the to the confusion. Oh, it's shadow and silhouette. Yeah, amen. You would have to be able to, because especially with the verse from here that Jesus quotes, those things do apply during the birth pains before the sixth seal event. Yes, it does. It also pertains 
to Karal's rebellion, which happens inside the place prepared. Then it, that overshadows the birth pains because then it's talking about physically your brothers and sisters. But in the place prepared, it's not talking about your physical brothers and sisters. Oh, this is this is a trillion times worse than that. It's talking about your spiritual brothers and sisters. That's who Corral's rebellion is coming from. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to come to an understanding. Eschatology is chiastic. I'm going to say this again. The entire book of Daniel is a chiasm, as the entire book of Revelation. It's a chiasm. Now, now, now that we've actually brought that into the light, boy, it really does make you it really does make you wonder. Is it possible that God can do that? Could he be saying exactly the right things? Let me ask this. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, he will cast all their sins in the depths of the sea. Jose, you and I have talked extensively how God's going to blow this planet up like a balloon, right? Amen. Did not we do shows where God came right out and tells you he's going to put the seas back in the storehouses? Yes. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's the one way to really ram this idea home that your sins are gone. If he puts them in the sea and then puts the sea back in the storehouses, because I assure you, I don't care how many movies you've watched from the entertainment industry. What I'm telling you is true. God comes right out and says he's going to take the, the sea and put it back in the storehouses. Yes, he does. And when he makes a comment like this, you realize your sins will really be removed if that's what he's done. And he's actually trying to get you to see that. He's actually trying to get you to see that idea. H had you thought about that before, Jose? No, I hadn't, Matthew. That, that our sins are a physical thing that can physically be cast into the sea. No. But then that Reminds me again of the whole Genesis 3 event where when they physically eat of that fruit of the of, of the tree mm -hmm. and that causes physical changes to them, which which is death. It's not just a, it is a spiritual thing, but, you know, we know that physically it caused their um, that sin caused their bodies to to the, the the wages of sin is death that's what we're told right and, and tammy said that you know the the chiasm reminded her of the x chromosome and in the garden that is where 
the X chromosome got truncated. You know, let me read this, okay? Me and Jose did a whole show on this. Everybody can go back and look it up. Psalms 33, verse 7. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. These verses are true. So imagine what he's done is, is whatever this physical thing that happened, I mean, Jose gave it to you. He gave it to you straight. Something physically happened when they took a bite of whatever it was they took a bite of. Is it possible that whatever it is they took a bite of, God takes it, puts it in the sea, and then puts the sea back in their storehouses? Is that what he's talking about in Micah chapter 7? Because one thing is for sure. He's God. He can talk about whatever he wants to. And he can do it in whichever way he chooses to do it. But look, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. When he does this, this is what happens. This is the result. So we should be looking, well, we should be looking at Gen 3. They took a bite, something happened. So what? whatever it has happened to them should come undone. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our forefathers from the days of old. Uh-oh. <laughs> you want to qualify that, uh-oh? I think this is talking about uh, before Abraham and Jacob's time, Matthew. That's why I said, uh-oh, days of old I'm talking about from the beginning. That's right. And yes, Jose, what he was trying to get you to see was you going back to the days of Noah. Yes, you are. You're right. The days of old were before Abraham and Jacob. All right, guess what? It's time to pray. This is this shindig's over. I can't believe we're done. We've finished reading. We're not done with. We have finished reading, Micah. What a blessing this has been. Amen. What a blessing it has been. What a wonder it's been. So, Jose, closing comments? Yeah. Um, I'm looking at that last verse. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry, Jose. It's not the first time he said it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Better not be the last. <laughs> All right, Janine, what's your closing comments? And in those days, there will be no marriage nor giving in marriage. Amen. That being the case, once the post-trib resurrection happens, 
we're not the ones going to be having children, right? Like I stated, that pertains to the children's conundrum. Who has the children during the millennial reign of Christ? But if you've never heard of the children's conundrum, please look it up. Jose and I did an installment on that, right, Jose? Yep. Amen. Well, Jose, take us out of here in prayer, please. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for gathering us together. I thank you for allowing us to share your word. Lord, and I thank you for bringing your Holy Spirit to this assembly as we edify the ecclesia. Lord, these are hard verses that you brought to us. This is definitely meat that we need to chew on. And I ask that you give us time during the week to study and to remember the words that you've shared with us today. Lord, I ask again that you bring us those lost sheep through these studies, through our fruitfulness as we go out in this world. And above all, I ask that you please take care and bless the Ecclesia as we prepare for the times that are coming. And we ask all this in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.